to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, now, more than ever, DC Museum is a must. We really want people to both enjoy their visit to the museum, but we also want them to be able to have it impact the way they read the news, the way they communicate, the way they protest, the way they celebrate. If you've been downtown, you've probably driven past the museum more than once. Hopefully you've been in. It's a place I certainly love to go. We're now joined by Scott Williams. He is the Chief Operating Officer in the museum. It's a community resource, and I wanted to spend some time talking about it today. So, Scott, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a place I like to go to. Well, I would hope so. You're Chief Operating Officer, and I would assume <laughs> that you like being there. Not everybody listening will have been there. Tell us a little bit of museum, uh, museum and what its mission is. Sure. You know, the, the mission of the museum is the museum is to champion the five freedoms of the First Amendment. Um, and we do that through exhibits, through programs and through education. So um, we have a lot. We have about um, 815,000 people visit us every year from all over the world. Um, about half of our general admission visitors are students. So we have lots of kids. It's a it's um a museum that really celebrates all of our freedoms. Um, it has the largest section of the Berlin Wall in the United States, the top of the 9/11 Tower, and then we have a lot of exhibits that that are real um, that are real current and contemporary. I um, mean, we can go into that in, in, in a little bit, but um, more than anything, it surprises people by just how much we have in the museum um, and how long it actually takes to tour. Why do you think people are surprised? Um, you know, a lot of people, um, when they think of Washington, D.C., they think of the Smithsonian Museum. And so they cannot imagine that that an another museum that's not a Smithsonian could compete on such a level as, as the museum. And so if you go to TripAdvisor and look at our comments, people are just blown away by how amazing it is and what a great experience. I wonder in some ways, it's when I think of the Smithsonian, I think about it as sort of being America's attic. You know, mm -hmm. it's a place I go to see neat stuff, whether it's an sure. airplane or a, a woolly mammoth skull or, or something. But your museum is a museum of ideas and freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And do you think that in some ways it makes it harder to market something like that because it's ideas rather than stuff? Um, you know, we ha we have a lot of stuff as well. Yeah, so we're, we're not America's attic. We're more like America's soul and America's spirit. So um, I think that... Um, and, and long ago, when, you know, the museum is only nine years old, so when it first launched, I think people didn't really know what to expect. Um, as we all know, word of mouth is the, the best advertising, and I think word of mouth has continued to drive visitors to us. So I think people are, I think we'll continue to see growth as we have, and especially now, of course, in this current uh, political climate that we're in, people are very excited to learn more about protest, about religious liberty, about a lot of the things that, that we talk about at the museum. I'm often struck, for what it's worth, that when people uh, in the broader sense talk about things like First Amendment or freedom of religion, freedom of association, how they will tightly cling to these are important American ideals, but how rarely they understand them. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, one thing that's happening now to our society is that people are thinking about these things more. People are analyzing situations. They're they're going to um, things like the First Amendment to say, um, how should we be thinking about this? And granted, you know, a lot of people really want everyone to think the same way they think. But in all of this, 
the importance of journalism, the importance of um, the importance of our freedoms is continuing to rise in um, the importance in a lot of people's minds. It, you know, take take uh, fake news for example. Mm. You know, ha- that only entered our lexicon you know recently. So now when people think about news, they understand that it not being fake is super important. So, you know, we have just a tiny role in in making that known. It is funny you mentioned fake news. That is an example, I think, of how a word can have two distinct meanings. And mm-hmm. when I think about how it first came up, it was people talking about the difference between real journalism and clickbait. Mm-hmm. But now, of course, it's used as well as a term by certain people to say, you don't listen to that person over there because that's that's fake. It's in some ways, even the definition of fake news re- reflects polarization. How how do you find um, the challenge of speaking truthfully and factually about these core fundamental principles of our society at a moment in time where people almost hear what they want to see and try to force it into their narrow ideologies? Right. Well, I mean, I think just like um, we are the museum part of our business that we have at the museum. Um, has to rely on all the best practices that museums have for decades. So we rely on storytelling. Um, we rely on, uh, to some degree, entertainment. The things that we put on display need to be compelling and entertaining and tell a story. Um, we also want to present the facts because we're a nonpartisan organization. So we want people to be able to come in and experience um, all these things we have at the museum and leave with a better understanding of the First Amendment and how it relates to them and their life. So, you know, we do a lot of uh, we do a lot of things like on Saturdays where we'll have people be able to come in and create buttons or posters that say, I believe in, you know, and then take a picture of themselves and share it on on social media. So we really want people to do to both enjoy their visit to the museum, but we also want them to be able to have it impact the way they read the news, the way they communicate, the way they protest, the way they celebrate. You know, the museum does all that and teaches all that for for our visitors. So I'm going to ask one personal question. Absolutely. Your last gig was working with Elvis Presley Estate, right? That's right. How does somebody who's working and, you know, was probably the first great multi-platform entrepreneur of our time, how did you end up at the museum? You know, I um, was with Elvis Presley Enterprises for 12 years, and um, as you can imagine, it was the greatest job in the world, but I didn't want it to be my last job, and so I was always kind of thinking, you know, what am I going to do next? It's going to top this. Um, so we we actually did an exhibit, an Elvis exhibit with the museum um, about seven years ago, and um, I really uh, fell in love with the museum. I really loved the people and the mission. And as I like to say, Elvis left the building and I didn't. <laughs> so I've been there ever since. So the moral of the story is if I ever want to work at the museum, I've got to make sure I have an exhibit there first. Or just go and don't leave. Just find a desk and sit down. Good advice. So if you wake up one morning and down the hall, don't be surprised. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Williams, thanks a lot for taking the time to uh, give us some insight into that wonderful museum downtown, the museum. Thanks. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. Today's podcast is brought to you by Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation, MCEDC. 
helping companies start, grow, and accelerate business in Montgomery County. The future starts here. Go to thinkmoco.com today. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online contributors are Michael Hoffman, Barbara Ulrich, and Candace Pye. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.